My name is Tina Conrad, a.k.a. DJ Breast Cancer, and this is a podcast on journeys through cancer. It is also about those making a difference in the world of cancer. My mission is to inspire hope, help one person every day. Consider it a girlfriend's guide to breast cancer. It's where inspiration meets expectation, where reality meets dreams and dreams lost. It's about life after cancer and how other pink sisters can help you through. It's about sharing your story, your journey. Cancer is life-changing. Sharing our stories and creating dialogue about breast cancer realities and research can inspire hope and change. This podcast was created to inspire love, hope, and light in the darkness. This podcast is inspired by a shining light, my dear friend and pink sister, Sandy Clausen. She passed away in July of 2018 after a recurrence of breast cancer, and she never gave up fighting. Season three is dedicated to Lindsay Blythe, a mom of two beautiful young children and an Instagram friend of mine. She was full of light, hope, and love for others. She was an amazing mom and wife. I want to give names and faces and details to these women that have passed away from this horrible disease. Breast cancer is not a good kind of cancer. There is no good cancer. So let's talk about it. Welcome to DJ Breast Cancer Season 3. Hey there, everybody. It is Tina Conrad, a.k.a. DJ Breast Cancer, and I am here with another podcast hostess, hostess with the mostess. Her name is Dr. Eleonora Toplinski, and this is season three, episode 10, and I'm so excited to bring you her story and a little bit into the world of interlude, if you're not familiar. So hi there, Eleonora. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be talking to you and kind of sharing my story with you and all of your listeners. And I love your podcast. I And we were just chatting before this started that I run and listen to your podcast. We we both fangirl like back and forth. We, we love to, <laughs> to support each love other. <laughs> so why don't you give um, the listeners a little bit of background about who you are and a little bit about um, the podcast interlude as well. Sure. So I am a board certified medical oncologist. I really specialize in treating women with breast and gynecologic cancer. So really women's health and women's cancers. And that's something that I always wanted to do. And I was you know, practicing and had a very, have a very busy practice. And as I ramped up in the job that I am in currently, you know, I'm really only spending 15 minutes with a patient. So that's not enough time. I would see someone who's on chemo and we'd go through the whole checklist, you know, are you nauseous? Are you having this? Are you tired? And then, you know, the 15, 20 minutes would be up and there'd be so much more I'd want to ask them, but I really didn't have the time. And I kind of felt like I wasn't truly understanding what their experience was like because so much of cancer treatment is not the physical, but it's the life that goes on behind the scenes, right? So how are you feeling emotionally? Are you anxious? Are you struggling to feel like a good mom? And are you, how is your marriage and all of that stuff? So that was really the kind of the 
impetus for me to start the podcast when I really wanted to have that dedicated time to talk to women, you know, partly to share their stories and really bring a lot of attention to the emotional aspect of chemo, um, but also to kind of really, you know, bring back a little bit of the humanism of medicine that sometimes lacks when we're so busy um, and really kind of understand on a much more deeper level what women go through. I love that. And I really enjoy listening to it. It's it's kind of like, to me, it's this intersection of empathy, but then also this like science and analytical background that you bring to it. So it kind of is this perfect marriage of all of these things. And, and I know you're very, you're very, you know, clear to say that you're not giving medical advice. It's not for, you know, that per se, but you can still tell like you're coming from a place of medicine and you're coming from a place of, you know, dealing with this, you know, these diseases on a day in and day out basis. And I think that's, you know, thank you for saying that. I, I, you know, I didn't start this to give medical advice, but, and I, it really kind of, to backtrack a little bit, a couple of years ago, I started my Instagram account and I kind of really ramped it up when I developed the podcast, but I started being active on social media really in an effort to dispel all of the bad and fake news that's out there. Um, that was kind of how it all started. And, you know, and again, I'm not giving medical advice, but for example, okay, I'm going to be posting later today. There was a patient of mine alerted me. She said, Hey, do you see the thing in the New York post? No, you know, I missed it. And we looked it up together and it says breast cancer treatment could lead to incurable tumors years later. I mean, that's completely fake news. And so I started the being active in a way to dispel and, and really bring truth and evidence-based medicine to what we know about cancer. Um, and so when I do talk to people and interview people, I'm not giving particular medical advice, but I do try to you know, address management of side effects because that I think is really general for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and chemo is just so ravaging. And then, you know, many, Many people have to get radiation and their surgeries and there's just, you know, a lot involved to the body, you know, physically that happens. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's just a huge change and you kind of have to think about it. I mean, it's a huge life change and I tell people it's okay to grieve the life that you had. Yes, technically no one died, but you are, you can grieve where you were and in, in a way to accept where you are now. Yeah. And even kind of part of that is to me what the meaning of this interlude is, which you go into that each and every podcast, you know, intro, but maybe explain to people like what, you know, how did the name interlude or how did that really speak to you? Absolutely. So I really can't actually take any credit for it. I'm going to give a big shout out to my husband who came up with it. But um, basically, so I had been talking for a while that I really wanted to do something with, you know, with women, but mostly young women as well. And I, I didn't know exactly what that was. And I said, you know, there's really no podcast that exists. I mean, there's 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 individual podcasts like yours, right? People telling their story. And I think you've developed in the last two seasons about bringing on other guests, um, which is amazing. But there was no podcast from a medical perspective. And so my husband one day came home and said, hey, here's a microphone. Please stop talking about this and just do it already. So, you know, <laughs> he bought me all the equipment. I really had no choice. And then we're going back and forth. And I was like, look, I don't know what to call it. And after a lot of wordsmithing, you know, he said, hey, what about interlude? And it was perfect. Um, you know, interlude really, I mean, it, the point is that chemotherapy and cancer in general, whether or not you get chemo, 
creates an interlude in someone's life, right? It is a break. Um, it is an interruption. And I think it's pretty fitting because it's what you do during that time that's meaningful, right? So your life isn't on hold. It's just different. Um, it's, a change from where it was and to and to what it's going to look like so that's really where the name came about and i i really loved it because i think chemo does create an interlude in people's life or cancer in general but it's what you do during that time how meaningful you make it that is so important yeah i love that and for me it was it was kind of like a reset button kind of a control alt delete in some ways you know so i I really took the time to be introspective and, you know, I, I know I shared with you, but, you know, I did yoga every day. I really tried to do something that, you know, I found joy in, like I I took a three month medical leave and it was the best decision I had ever made, you know, of my, really of my whole cancer journey. And my oncologist really, he helped to encourage me, you know, to, to take that medical leave and just take some time for myself. And, it, it was really an amazing experience of my life and one that I will I will never regret having that time, you know, to just kind of focus on myself and do everything I could do to make myself better. And I, it's interesting that you say that. So and this has been a shift for me as a doctor recently. And partly it, I think the I mean, the podcast I know has made me a better doctor, but this is one of the changes that I've made in my own practice as a result of, you know, talking to all these women. So I used to tell people, oh, you should continue to try to work it, you know, well, get your mind off it. You're not going to be sitting around at home. And you know what, that may be right for some people, but it's absolutely not right for others. Mm-hmm. Other people uh-huh. need that time to recover, to focus on themselves. A lot of people have very stressful jobs and it's just not a good fit to do chemotherapy and work full time. Uh, For others it is, but I become, you know, I ask people, well, what do you do? What is your day-to-day life like? What are your hours? How stressful is your job? And that helps, you know, kind of, and as you have that conversation with someone, they almost come to a decision in themselves as to what's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think that my oncologist he was really good at asking kind of, to your point, those probing questions. Cause I think if he would have just came out and said, I don't think you should have worked, I almost would have probably found it as a challenge. You know, I'm pretty type type a and would have been like, well, if you don't think I can work, I'll show you, I can, you know? So I think he, he was good. And it sounds like, you know, you take the same sort of principles and saying like, what kind of work do you do? What kind of hours are you working? And, and I, I worked long, crazy, crazy hours and very stressful. And he said, how stressful is your job? And I said, it's very stressful, you know? And so he, he gave me questions that I had to answer truthfully. And in doing so, I do think I realized like this, you know, I, I remember laying in bed one night and thinking, I am doing everything he's telling me to do to live a long life. You know, all this chemo, all this radiation, all this everything. But by continuing to work, I really don't think I'm doing everything I need to do. You know, so it was really like a, just a whole paradigm shift in my brain. And, and it allowed me, it kind of was this interlude that allowed me, you know, time to just, you know, be myself and get through this journey. And that's important by focusing on yourself. You were in, you know, the other part of it is you were able to have an experience that wasn't awful, right? That you can look back on and say, I made the most of it. If you're running around stressed, working insane hours, oh, and you're tired and nauseous on top of it. That's just a miserable existence. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I find it really funny too that your husband <laughs> helped name yours because my husband helped name my <laughs> my podcast too. It was it was a a bar and a few a few cocktails, and we finally came up with the name. So <laughs> it's it's good to have whatever your support is. It's I think you know it's so important to have people in your life that help you accomplish your goals because we're we need those people, whoever they are. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. And I remember a few of the ones I threw out and he was like, oh no, no, like that's not gonna, it's not, rem- yeah. it's not memorable. You need another one. <laughs> so yeah. So I, I love this whole shift of you becoming, I, I mean, in my mind, you have to be so much more of an aware and empathetic, empathetic, you know, doctor by taking on all these stories and bringing these stories to light has there been anything that surprised you like by doing this, like something you set out to do and now it's just maybe grown or evolved or totally different or just kind of mind blown at, at one point or at another? I mean, there's so much stuff, but I think the most important, I mean, I've learned a lot about, so for example, you know, sometimes when I have a husband and wife in the exam room with me, the husband, the wife will always say to the husband, Hey, do you mind just, I'm going to do the breast exam. Uh, and then you can come in. And I always said, well, you're married, you know, like I, that always, I always question that. And I had a guest on who said, well, you know, the reason for that is you want to remember, you want your husband to think of you as sexy, right? You, you want to preserve that spark in the marriage. I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh-huh. there have been all of these little things like that that make me really kind of say, wow, like, yes, this is why I see these things. Another one is a lot of times, and this has been more of a reminder to myself, but you know, people on the podcast, I mean, they tell me they're, they're, they put on, they put on a brave face with the oncologist, but they're scared. They're upset. They're anxious. And a lot of times, sometimes people will ask questions repeatedly. And I just remind myself, you know, they're asking because they're scared. So I think it's taught me patience. It's taught me more grace. And and again, in a world of medicine where there is a lot of burnout, there is, you know, just nonstop paperwork for, you know, visits that are too short. It kind of brings me back to why I did it. But the most, most important thing is, you know, I didn't realize what a community there was out there. Um, and I've just been so fortunate and, and blessed and and humbled to meet and interact with all of these incredible women on social media. Um, and just the support that all of you guys have for each other is just, it's mind blowing. And I'm, I'm so lucky to be a part of that. I love that. And yes, my... I mean, I call them my pink sisters, but it's, it, it even goes beyond that. Cause it's not just breast cancer now anymore. That's, you know, part of my tribe, but mm-hmm. I mean, this network of people is so amazing and it, you know, we always kind of say it's that club nobody wants to be part of, but you know, it's just has the best members ever. And it, it truly does. There's just so many good characters out there. It really helps almost to, I don't know, have you believe in like humanity again? It's just, it's really neat to see how people can lift each other up and help almost carry them across the line at times. And I think that's what it is. It really, it just makes you remember why we all, we're all in it together, right? We're all in it to help other women and and men as well. But I, I think the empowerment of women and the support is just unbelievable. Yeah, I love that. And 
recently it's been interesting to me and I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's almost very liberating or empowering to the individual to tell their story in this format and to allow others in. It's, it's just a really big, it's a big deal. And I, I think I'm more and more acutely aware of like how important it is and what a privilege it is actually for me to have a role in doing that. And there's so many stories, but every story, you know, is while there are common themes and there's threads that, you know, go across all of them, they're, they're also uniquely different and so uniquely beautiful. And it's just like this amazing tapestry of like information that gets told to the world. And I, I feel very, you know, like privileged to have the opportunity to share these stories. Yes. I mean, I think it's a lot of times I've, I've kind of been blown away by just the interest in the podcast and how much, you know, women just really, they're raw, they're open and they're, they truly share their story. I think it's therapeutic to share, but they're sharing their story to help others. And the fact that people just generously give me their time and say, absolutely, I'll talk to you, whatever you need, if I can help someone else. And I, I love that about your podcast, right? You hope you just want to help at least one person. And I think the more stories that are out there, the more we can normalize something that used to have a bit of a stigma behind it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just living with cancer, life after cancer, like what that whole means. Now I'm finding even, you know, that has had a stigma and, you know, so it's not even just going through the cancer and have being a cancer patient itself, but how do you kind of live in today's world with this? You know, um, how are you seen? How are you still seen as a healthy and vital and vibrant person, you know? And so the mental aspects of that and, and the physical aspects, you know, just, it's been really interesting kind of evolution too, of just how people think of mental health and the whole self and, you know, where they're kind of heading in this new chapter after cancer. You know, absolutely. I think that, you know, a lot of times it's hard. You're not the same person that you were. You're a different person. And a lot of times people don't feel 100% after cancer treatment. They, you know, the world kind of expects you to be done. Oh, you're done with chemo. You must feel great. And a lot of people struggle with both residual physical and emotional side effects. And so by really demystifying what life after cancer looks like, and it's different for everyone, but the more we share about it, the more people can say, oh, you know what? I am not alone. It's okay that I still have this chemo brain and that I feel foggy or that I'm not comfortable with my body image or I gained weight during chemo and now I can't lose it. Whatever it is to know that they are not alone. There is someone there who's going through the same thing. And I hear that so much from so many listeners that you know, just, I think that's where the cancer support group like really comes in handy is that we get it, that it's not done when it's done, you know, like it it continues. But I think for you coming from a place of medicine and seeing patients and demystifying to your point, like there, there is like scientific knowledge that like it takes time to get back to some kind of normal. And sometimes that normal is not the same normal as what you started with, you know, and, and it's hard for people who've not been through cancer to understand that. So I think for others, you know, to lend their support and, you know, for doctors to understand like that's, that's a really key integral part of like this whole life after cancer. 
Exactly. And it's a whole other, it's a whole other world. And we really up until recently have not talked about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's so much more to like with mental health that can be done. Um, yeah. It's almost like when, when people get a diagnosis, they should almost be getting, you know, like uh, a prescription to go talk to a therapist or, or a list of resources for someone, you know, to talk to or podcast to listen to whatever it may be like, but people need other people. And that comes in many different forms for different people. Sometimes it is a pill because they need to balance out because their whole bodies are just totally being messed up. And for other people, it's a therapist. Some people, it's all of the above. Like you don't really know each person is so individual, but I do think that there's so much more that could be done in the mental health arena. Yes. And I've talked about this with some of the guests that, you know, like, just like you said, when you're diagnosed, you should have, Hey, these are the resources this is people you should talk to and not just for the patient, but for their, their caregivers, their spouse, maybe their parents or children, whoever that is, because it's a huge other part of it, yeah. right? How, how it affects your marriage. And, and it's a big struggle for, especially for women who are, you know, I'm not stereotyping, but generally women tend to be more of the kind of runners of the household and, they really have to rely on other people to help them. And that's very hard. Yeah. Agree. I I know, you know, women kind of hold it all together. And so when they, the expectation can't be there when they're going through cancer, it's a totally different ball game. I know there's a lot of communities that have like great cancer services or resource kind of centers. Um, do you often recommend for patients to like seek out some of these or, or does that kind of fall to, you know, different people, nurse navigators, or how does that kind of work in terms of you giving resources to your patients? So we have our cancer center uh, is growing and, but we have amazing resources. So we've got social workers, nurse navigators, we have dietitians, we have a physician who's um she is a palliative care doctor, but really focuses on supportive care and helping people kind of manage some of the anxiety and emotional aspects of chemo. So, you know, the problem tends to be is that when someone is diagnosed, especially if you're going to need chemotherapy, there are about a hundred things that you need to do. And it's hard to figure out what's priority. And I find that if you give people too much to do, it can be a little overwhelming. So we try to weave it in and as we go along. And if I see right away that they're definitely going to benefit from certain things, and we will set that up for them right away. When people start chemo, we have our social workers come by. We have our dietitians come by. So they're kind of meeting people throughout the process. And, you know, one of the things that we're really starting to focus on, which I'm very excited about, is exercise and nutrition as part of the process and especially in life after cancer because we know one from a science standpoint that those things decrease your risk of breast cancer recurrence but also eating well exercising taking care of your body I mean it has just innumerable benefits and the the emotional benefits of that are are huge well you just you keep leading into the next question so that (laughs) (laughs) so that's awesome so yes that was my next question for you because you are very active. I love it on Instagram with your own, like 
not only are you promoting obviously healthy living to your patients, but I feel like you're living healthy living, which is a great role model, you know, for everybody out there as well. So I often see you, you know, on your, on your bike, um, you do runs and races and then a lot of like healthy eating and you give, give tips and you also like bring a lot of articles and dispel kind of like you said to the fake news you know, like, you know, maybe this won't cure this or do this, but yeah. you know, th- these generally are the things that you need to look for. So what, what do you feel, you know, like about exercise and nutrition, um, for, you know, patients that have a diagnosis and then to your point after diagnosis? So I, it really depends on kind of where people are in their journey. I think that let's talk about during chemo for a second. So during chemotherapy, you know, it's you kind of, I tell everyone, I want you to get outside and walk for a few minutes a day. It could be two minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. But I want you to get outside and experience the fresh air and just move your body. That is the best treatment for fatigue. I'm not saying go run, don't go run a marathon. You don't have to do an hour bike ride, but just something where you're moving your body because you feel good. And a lot of people will say, oh, no, no, I walked around the house. I did laundry. That doesn't count. I'm glad that you're staying active and getting your steps in. But, you know, some sort of dedicated exercise for even just a few minutes a day to move your body. And in terms of nutrition during chemotherapy, you kind of, you know, you do what you can. If you feel great and you're not nauseous and you have no issues with taste, then of course you're going to want to pick kind of a more healthy, nutrient-rich meal, right? Eat foods that make you feel good, healthy proteins, healthy fats, fruits, veggies. But you know what? Maybe you're really nauseous and you have a metallic taste in your mouth and the only thing you want is, you know, a milkshake or a slice of pizza or french fries, whatever. Don't feel guilty because the most important thing during chemotherapy is calories. Yeah. You know, you can't get through chemo if you're not fueling your body to do the treatment. So I, I don't I tell people do what you can, but please don't feel guilty if you can't, you know, have that chicken salad or, you know, have that plant based meal. That's OK. And then after treatment. And that's really when you have to kind of take a look at what you're eating. How are you moving your body? We know that too. A lot of things increase your risk of recurrence, but exercise is the, or of even just being diagnosed with breast cancer, but exercise is the one thing that lowers your risk. So really making an effort to get out and move. And that could be yoga, it could be cardio, it could be strength, whatever it is. But the, you know, and I, I love it. It keeps me sane. I just feel so much better when I start out my day with exercise. And I think that it really kind of sets you up for success. With the food, you know, there's a lot. I mean, we can spend a long time talking about what the appropriate diets are for breast cancer. And there's a lot out there. Should you be plant-based? Should you not be? Can you eat soy? Which you can. Um, Should you eat red meat? You know, there's so much out there. I think the bottom line is what we know. Eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. Eat healthy protein, lean meats. Minimize red meat. And really try to avoid processed food. If you do that and you live a lifestyle of moderation, you're fine. You know, whether or not you have that hamburger once in a while, your breast cancer is not coming back because you ate a hamburger a month ago. It's just, it's just not. So you should enjoy it. Maybe don't eat it every day, but you know, it's okay to eat the foods that make you feel good. I love that. And 
my oncologist, like he kind of told me the same thing when I was going through chemo, like, Hey, don't be hard on yourself. Like I'm, I'm not judging you. You know what I mean? It's kind Mm -hmm. of a no judgment zone during chemo. And he was like, if you want this and it sounds good, then you eat that. Like he was like, I, I don't care. And honestly, I mean, there were days where I would like, I would have a victory if I ate like a teaspoon of cream of wheat because I'd had no appetite whatsoever. And that was the only thing that just didn't sound horrible. So I would eat it, you know, but it was just really, really tough. And then coming out of it, I would know, like I would start to feel better when all of a sudden a, a pizza sounded good. And like, and I, like I had very specific tastes coming out of chemo, like, okay, I need a pizza that's thin crust. It's from this one restaurant. Okay. Like go get it. And then another time I had to have like a breakfast burrito from a Mexican restaurant. It was almost like this crazy pregnant person, you know, uh, like with very specific, you know, food taste, but you know, that that's just what I had to have. Like it was in my brain. It was just, it was an interesting way of (laughs) way of eating at the time. No, absolutely. I think you, you can't beat yourself up, right? You have to give your body just grace and patience and and accept that what it's going through. And you, you know, in kind of pregnancy, you know, I, I kind of joke around sometimes about that chemotherapy can't be like pregnancy. You've got these weird cravings, like you said, you're tired, but you're, you know, it, it's just, it, it's very much the same in, in some aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was, it was crazy. And now, now I'm at a place, you know, I'm six years out and, you know, I, I do look at food a lot differently, you know, than, than before cancer. So to me, food is fuel and like, I want to put the best, you know, fuel into my body and, you know, try to give it, you know, the best opportunity to, to be at its optimum, you know, performance. And to your point, you know, sometimes I'm going to eat a, I'm going to eat a filet mignon. I'm going to eat, you know, a, a cheese pizza, but I do try for the most part to fill my plate, you know, with the fruits and veggies that are good for you. Exactly. And that's, that's the best way of living because life is too short to deprive yourself. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, if you want just a bite of cookie, like (laughs) you're going to go eat something else just in, just in place of it. So. Exactly. So, yes. Um, I would love to know, I ask every guest a Tina tip. And so I'm so grateful to have you on this show and would love, you know, from your perspective, um, through your podcast, through all of your interactions with patients, what is like the one or, or two, um, tip that you would like to give someone, you know, going through, through cancer or a life changing diagnosis of cancer? So my one tip, and I tell all of my patients is do something that makes you happy every day. So, you know, obviously it's a life-changing diagnosis, you're not going to be happy at times. You're going to feel sad and scared and miserable and anxious. And and, and there, then there are going to be days where you do feel good, but do something every day that makes you happy. And that could be as simple as going for a walk. It could be catching up with a friend. It could be having uh, an iced coffee, you know, whatever it is, but do, cherish those little moments because Look, none of us know what the next day will bring, but, you know, you want to, despite a life-changing diagnosis, you still want to find something good in every day so that you're not just going through the motions. 
I love that. And my oncologist told me the same thing. I think you guys maybe went to the same school of thought. <laughs> I love it. You probably have even been at conferences together. It's I'm so, sure. It's I'm so sure. funny. Yeah, too. It's a small world. So who knows? Um, I would love for people to know, you know, what social media you know, are you active on or like, what's the best way to get in contact with you if they're interested in your podcast and then where to find like your podcast as well. Awesome. So my podcast is called Interlude. You can find it on Apple podcasts or any other podcast player or on the website, www.interludecancerstories.com. And to follow me, I'm active at on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, but really mostly active on Instagram. And my handle is Dr. Toplinsky, D-R-T-E-P-L-I-N-S-K-Y. And I post a lot about my life and my kind of healthy living, but also a ton about, you know, the cancer news that's out there, how to kind of get through treatment, a lot of the fake news that you see, a lot of just healthy living tips for people, as well as, you know, obviously information about the podcast and the amazing guests that I have on every week. Yes. And I I love your Instagram. It's always interesting and interactive. And I feel like you get a lot of great, you know, dialogue, you know, amongst people out there too, and all the communities. So Thank you for, again, for all that you do. You are amazing. You told me before that you do it all with coffee and I don't, I, cause I don't know. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> you're, you're wonder woman to me. No, no, I have a lot of, I have a lot of help and you know what, honestly though, I love all the things that I do and I think they just complement each other and make, I, I, I love doing it. So it doesn't feel like work when you love doing those things. I love that. Well, keep doing everything that you're doing because you're amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I am so excited to continue to listen to your podcast and the incredible guests that you have on every week. Oh, well, thank you. And we will be in touch, I'm sure, in the near future. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your night. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'd like to give a special thanks to Nicholas Lay, my producer, for this amazing sound quality, and to Melissa at Whirligig Photography for all her beautiful pictures and content, and the band Roustabout for their lovely song, Pariah. I want to give a special thanks for the beginning of October for my Fort for Fitness Half Marathon $1,000 pledge. All of these special, special people have pledged over $100 and really, really helped get me to my goal. So I want to give them a special shout out. Lynn Leinberger is my super cool college roommate. So thank you, Lynn. And to Carol and Bill Conrad, my amazing in-laws. They are so sweet. And to Chris and Jason Cruz. Chris used to be my boss and she's such a lovely human being. I love her. And to Ronnie and Steve O'Donnell. Ronnie, as you know, was on this show and is one of my pink survivor sisters. Love you, girly. And to Jen Rosa. She also was on uh, DJ Breast Cancer and is my survivor New York City girl. So love you all. Thank you so, so much. By the time this airs, you'll be hopefully looking at all my amazing pictures. Thank you.